this time the kids are dismissed for Children's Church, and uh, the rest of you can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. And while you're going there, um, Kendall already alluded to the fact that any excuse to wear jeans, and I thought I might get a comment or two about preaching in blue jeans. I haven't yet. I have more comments on this shirt that I'm wearing and how standing up here in a barnyard, I ought to have a Purdue shirt on. I could not go that far. I'm sorry. I would, could not do that. But we're just going to... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit can work through me, even though I'm in jeans and in an IU shirt, and uh, he can do his work. But we are glad that you're here today, whether you're here in the building, whether you are watching online, um, we are so glad that you're here. Today we're continuing our study of the book of Romans, and so far this summer we've learned that Paul was just as messed up as we are, and uh, he wanted to do the right things, but he couldn't do them. Uh, he didn't want to do the wrong things, but he continued to do those things, and he was thankful that even though he blew it time and time again, there was no condemnation that he was free in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us. However, he came to the conclusion that that didn't give him the right to continue to sin, to continue to do the things and cheapen God's grace by living a life that is not like Jesus. Last week we learned that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever confesses him as the Christ, the son of the living God, will be saved. And we learned that that confession goes a lot deeper than just something that we say inside the four walls of the church. It's something that we carry with us outside that could lead to persecution, maybe even death. If you're truly confessing Christ, it changes your whole life. It's an all-in kind of mentality Everywhere you go, everything you do. Again, for the early church, they knew what they were signing up for. And they willingly signed up for it. Today we turn our attention to chapter 11 where Paul is warning the, the church uh, at Rome. And remember, the, the church has got a lot of Jewish people in it. And, and he's warning the church, don't take your relationship for granted. Number one, don't take your standing as a Jew for granted and think that's all you need to do. And Christians, those of you who have confessed Jesus as the Christ, don't take that for granted as well. It's really kind of like a warning label on the gospel. He's basically saying, okay, here's the gospel, but here's a warning label that goes with it, if you will. It was unlike the warning labels that we see on some things today. I think that some warning labels that are on some items today shouldn't have to be there. But thanks to one person, probably, they are. For instance, did you know that on most snow blowers it will say, do not use blower to clear snow from the rooftop. Someone must have tried that. Someone must have done that. And I don't know, I'm just kind of envisioning some guy like Uncle Larry or somebody laying in the middle of the living room and there's roof debris all around and kids are laughing or crying depending on how messed up the kids are and, and there's snow everywhere, you know. Uh, someone had to do that, right? On a dishwasher it says, do not allow children to play in the dishwasher. Makes you wonder if there's a conversation that happened at home sometime that says, the kids go up to mom, mom, can we go to the park? No, we don't have time. You just play in the dishwasher. You know, I don't know. Morning label on a Superman costume says, wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. 
I'm just picturing some kid at the top of the stairs, you know. <laughs> they got a Superman costume on it. Someone had to do that, right? Warning label on some wheelbarrow says, not intended for highway use. Well, Ma, you know, gas prices are getting pretty steep right now. We probably ought to get the wheelbarrow out and head to work. Uh, this one's pretty good. I, uh, it can be found on some baby strollers. Remove child before folding. <laughs> Messed up. People are messed up. Here's the deal. Some people have to be told this over and over. They got to be told these dumb things. This is probably my favorite one. On a microwave oven, this label was found. Not to be used for drying pets. All right? Well, I hate to see whiskers shiver in the cold from the rain. Let's just throw him in and see what happens, you know. I... <laughs> they, make, they make these labels because some people, you can get, that's disturbing. Get that off the screen if you don't mind. Some people have used these products in a way that they shouldn't use these products, you know? Someone actually tried to do something like this, right? That's why they're out there. Warning labels are sometimes put on things to state the obvious. How many of you have ever done this, right? You see a sign that says wet paint, and you just have to touch it to see if they really, right? They really mean what they say. Well, the Bible often states the obvious because God knows that we are just wired in such a way. We know that we shouldn't do this, but I'm going to tell you, you got to do, you, you, you can't do this, or you got to do this, or whatever. And a lot of times, Scripture states these obvious things, and still some people have trouble accepting it. They still have to try to figure it out on their own. This is what was going on in the church at Rome, right? They were having some problems because the church was. Well, they were practicing ethnic diversity way back then. It was made up of Jews. It was made up of Gentiles. They're having a hard time getting along. There's a lot of friction going on in the church between the two groups. Some of the Jews were looking down on the Gentiles saying, well, you're not as special as we are because we're God's chosen people. We've been a part of the covenant of God that, that he had with his people way back in the Old Testament. And they jeered at the Gentiles for not being a part of their group in response because they could. That's just human nature, the Gentiles were going to retaliate uh, because, well, they just, they just could. Turnabout's fair play. Well, you know what? You guys had the Messiah in your midst, and you didn't even recognize him, right? And so these things are going on back and forth, back and forth. And so a major part of this letter is focused on this conflict that's going on between these two people groups. And the first few chapters in, in, in the, the letter to the church at Rome, Paul addresses the Jews and, and is saying, listen, you guys need to, you need to back it off a little bit. You, you need to understand that you are not God's gift to God. Right? They sin just like everybody else did. And just because of their heritage, that doesn't make them spotless. That doesn't make them perfect. That doesn't automatically make them in, so to speak. They had sinned just like the Gentiles had, and they needed God's grace, they needed God's mercy just as much as anybody else did. The only advantage that the Jews had really was that as Jews, they were a part of that old covenant that was, uh, you know, uh, that was handed down to them back in, in the Old Testament days that, uh, you know, God had given to them, but, but that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to get them into heaven. And just in case there were Jews that were inclined to believe that they were the only ones that God had planned on saving, Romans chapter 15, Paul lists a whole lot of prophecies made about the love that God had for those people who were outside of the Jewish nation. 
And Paul is pointing to the fact that, yes, there are other people that God wants a relationship with. It's not just you guys. And so beginning around chapter 9 of this letter to Rome, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Paul turns to the Gentiles and he says, guys, listen, the Jews, yeah, they're special to God, so don't you be putting them down. Remember, Paul wrote this, for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed to be cut off from Christ if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God. The one who rules over everything and he's worthy of eternal praise. That's what he said in Romans 9, 3 through 5. And so Paul is saying to the Gentiles, listen, Israel has been God's chosen people. So before you Gentiles start to look down on them and think you're better than they are, you need to remember, theirs was, they were the originals. Theirs was the divine glory. Theirs was the original covenant. They had been given the law. They built the temple. The Messiah came from their lineage. Jesus himself was a Jew. And so when it comes to a people group, if there's anybody you ought to respect and be in awe of, it's these guys. But here now in Romans 11, Paul addresses this ticklish question. And here's what he's saying. He's saying to the Jews in verse 1, and if you have your Bibles, let's go there now. Chapter 11, verse 1, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Right? These people are starting to think, okay, God has started a new covenant now. So does that mean he's replaced the old one? And the uh, with the new one and the old one, everybody that was in that, they're, they're, they're lost? Is God tired of them? Has he just cut them off? Right? In fact, Jews who weren't Christians weren't in this new contract with God. It, the old was gone. There's this new contract now. And then in Romans 11, 11, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? In other words, okay, Jews, you, you had this opportunity and you blew it, and so now you're out. And that's kind of what the Gentiles were thinking. And Paul says, no, God hasn't rejected his people. He's just formed a new covenant. He's just got a different way of, of approaching things now, right? They haven't stumbled so far that they can't be restored because God never forgets his people. God never gives up on his people that he's formed a covenant with. And that's the main message of this chapter. If you are in Christ, he will never forget you. Now, you can choose to walk away. You can choose to leave God, but he's never going to, uh, to leave you. Israel had been the people of the covenant, and God had never turned his back on the covenant. And he's not going to start now. And so to, to, to drive this point home, Paul also says this, even I'm an Israelite. I'm one of you guys. I'm an Israelite myself. I'm a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. And so he's saying, listen, the physical Israel is still loved and will always be. But does that mean that everyone who had ever been circumcised will be saved then? No, that's not what it means. There's a new way to come into a relationship with God. God never left Israel, but Israel left him. Not once, not twice, 
not just three times, over and over and over, we see the Israelites rejecting what God was trying to do in their midst. Even as Jesus is making his final entry into the city of Jerusalem, he declared God's heartache over this situation. In Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings? But you wouldn't let me. Man, doesn't that sting just a little bit? And wouldn't it sting if you were a, an Israelite? I, I wanted to save you. I wanted, I wanted to protect you. I wanted to gather you under my wings, but you wouldn't let me. And I think there's a lot of people in our society today that he's saying the same thing to. It's not just a nation thing. It's, a, it's an individual thing. It's every person who's ever walked the face of the earth. God so loved the world, everybody in the world. That he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him doesn't have to die. They don't have to perish. They don't have to be lost. Right? That's why he came. And so here's the deal. If you're taking notes, here's the first point I want to point out from, our, from uh, Romans 11 today. We're going to skip down to verse 25. And you, you need to understand that God has a plan. I want, here's what he says. I want you to understand this mystery. Again, Paul is writing this. He's writing to the church. He says, I want you to understand this. It's a mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. In other words, there's nothing you can do. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what you do or who you are. It's all about who God is. He says, so I don't want you to feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved, as the scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Isn't it good to know that God has a plan for all of mankind? And this wasn't a plan that he's like, okay, man, the Israelites really blew it, so now what am I going to do? You know, this wasn't like, this didn't catch God off guard. This was his plan from the very beginning. His plan called for Jesus to come to earth in the form of a human and become a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be saved for all of eternity. And he has that plan for everyone. He has that plan for the Jews. He has it for us. And he wants everyone to know Jesus as their Savior, right? And not only does he have a plan, but he has a lot of mercy. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Look at verses 30 through 32. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. You see, what was happening then is still happening today. We've got, a, uh, we've got one group of people who claim to know God. This, this includes the Jews. They claim to know God, but they've rejected Jesus. We still have that going on today. But it also includes a lot of Christians who claim to know God, 
and they're just playing the game. They think, okay, you know, just because years ago I made a decision to confess Christ and, and I got baptized a long time ago, but then you just kind of go off living your own life, just kind of playing the game. Um, we, as Christians, we, we've got to do better than that, church. And then we have a group of people who just don't care, <laughs> right? They don't care that there might be a God out there who loves them, has a plan for their life, right? But here's the deal, and, and this is something that had never really dawned on me, and I, and I read it uh, in a commentary that a guy had written on this particular passage of Scripture. He says, without disobedience, there is no mercy. Now think about that for a minute, right? Without disobedience, there is no mercy. In other words, God wanted to be merciful to us. He wants to pour out his mercy because he knew we'd be disobedient. If we didn't have that, those mess ups, God wouldn't have to pour his mercy out on us. And he wants to give us that mercy. Now that doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to keep messing up. Preacher said, if I don't mess up, God can't give me. No, don't do that. Okay. In order for God's mercy to be shown, we have to admit that we've blown it. Right. We have to admit that, that we're sinners, that we're lost, and without him, we can never be saved. Judge Irving Kaufman presided at the trial of the Russian spies, the Rosenbergs. Does anybody remember the Rosenbergs? How many of you are old enough? to? Well, you might not admit it if you're old enough to remember that, but that was going on. But the Rosenbergs, they were charged with and they were convicted of treason against the United States, and they were sentenced to death. They were American communists who were convicted, executed June 19, 1953 for conspiracy to commit, to commit espionage during a time of war. Their charges were they, were, they were passing on information about the atomic bomb to the Soviet Union. And this was the only um, execution of civilians for espionage in the history of the United States. The only time it's ever happened. It was a bitter, bitter trial from what I understand. At the end of it, the lawyer for the Rosenberg said emphatically, Your Honor, what my clients ask for is justice. And Judge Kaufman replied calmly, The court has given you what you've asked for. What you really want is mercy. But that is something this court has no right to give. See, God... God does have the right. God does have the right to show mercy. God has the right to show judgment. And he will. And God's justice is perfect. And his judgment is perfect. And his mercy is, is incredible. He has the right to show it to anyone that he chooses. He's shown it to me. He's shown it to you. I have people ask me all the time, well, do you think this person will make it to heaven because of this or that or they haven't done this or they haven't done that? I don't know. It's not my job. I know what the Bible says we need to do. I know that God has shown mercy to people that I probably might not have shown mercy to. He's shown it to an entire world. He has withheld his return in order to give more and more people the opportunity to be saved. That's mercy, folks. When he looks down at this world and he sees the needless murdering of individuals, 
who are just going about their day. And because someone decides to take a gun into a mall or into a church or into a school. Someone's life ended. Now, if I were God, I'm just going to tell you right. And I'm glad I'm not. And you need to be glad that I'm not. Because that's probably. I'm, I'm probably putting an end to it pretty soon. Right? I'd be like, that's it. I'm done. You're all done. You're all toast. Sorry about your luck. You know, when God looks down and he sees the pointless murder of innocent babies before they ever have the opportunity to take a breath, I don't know how merciful I could be. But in his mercy, he loves us enough to give us more time to repent of wrong choices that we've made and enter into a right relationship with Him. When God looks down at us and He sees us not only promoting sexual immorality, but celebrating it and even saying, well, this is just how God made me and so I'm just making God happy because I'm being who He made me to be. sure that breaks his heart but in his mercy he continues to love he continues to give more time he continues to give opportunity for people to see the light and repent of their sins look at Ephesians 2 4 and 5 but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now, here's what we all need to understand here today. Since we're all guilty of crimes against God and against man, we're all guilty of it. That is, we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory, as Mike was talking about earlier. We deserve punishment. Every single one of us deserve punishment. But because God is rich in mercy and we ask God to be merciful to us, we will be shown mercy. And we need to remember this, however, on a daily basis when we're dealing with other people. Remember the parable of the merciful servant? A story where one is given a, forgiven of a great debt and shown a lot of mercy, but then he goes out and refuses to show mercy to another person. When we don't show mercy on other people, we're basically, I don't know, it, it's almost like we're spitting in the face of God and His mercy toward us. We, we have been given so much and then we turn around sometimes and we treat people so poorly. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown more mercy. And some of this might not make sense to us. You don't know what they did. But God's ways are not our ways, right? And God is a God of wisdom. That's the next thing. If you're taking notes, that's the third, uh, third point. God is a God of wisdom. I know that says number four, but I think it should be three. Is that right? I don't know. If not, this is going to be a messed up sermon. No. All right. It's three. All right. Look at verses 33 through 35. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thought? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? 
Isn't that incredible? There was a theology student one time that came to Charles Spurgeon and he was greatly concerned that he couldn't grasp the meaning of certain parts of verses in the Bible. And so Charles Spurgeon said to the young man, kindly but firmly, young man, allow me to give you this word of advice. Give the Lord credit for knowing things that you don't understand. How true is that? We're not going to understand it all. Right? God knows plenty of things that we don't understand. A lot of things happen in this world that we don't understand. And I believe the more that we study God's word, the more amazed we will be and we will want to get our wisdom from God's word instead of getting wisdom from what's happening in the world. And I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the more you get into God's word, the more amazed you'll be with what it has to say to you and the more it will change your life. And in time, we will know for fact and we will see that God is a God of glory. Verse 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. How many of you have ever given a gift to someone and you thought it was a really nice gift? I mean, you spent a lot of time looking for this gift and you spent a lot of money on this gift because you, in your mind, you think it's the perfect gift for this person. Maybe it's for a wedding, maybe it's for graduation, maybe it's for a birthday or Christmas or whatever. And you took a lot of time picking it out and spent a lot of effort and it's the perfect gift. And you give this person this gift and they really don't seem to appreciate it too much. They just kind of look at it and go, huh. Eh. No, thank you. Right? Nothing. Hardly any acknowledgement at all. How did that make you feel? Oh, I'm so appreciative of their lack of gratitude. No. Right? We, we, we all like to be acknowledged when we've done something for somebody that we know we've put a lot of effort into and a lot of thought into. Th listen to this. God has given us so much. He just, he allowed us to get out of bed this morning. I used to hear old preachers say this, you know, and, and they'd say, well, you ought to be thankful that you were just allowed to get out of bed this morning by God. And I used to think, really? You know? And now I'm an old preacher, and I know what he's talking about, because some days are a little rougher than others. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you just wake up and things hurt that you didn't even know you had those things, and they hurt. And God gave us life, and he gave us breath, and he's given us blessing upon blessing upon blessing. He's given us food in abundance. We throw away more food than some people ever will, will get to eat in their lifetime. We get luxury on luxury, a house, a bed, a car, etc., etc. And there's times when we don't even give him thanks in any form. And we need to understand verse 36, for everything... Say that word with me. Everything comes from God. And it exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. When you understand what God has done for you, what are you going to do in response? Do you understand this morning that he has a plan? That plan includes you. It includes every 
single person in this room and every single person outside of this room. He has a plan. And He has so much mercy. And He's poured it out on each and every one of us day after day after day. And He wants to pour out even more. And He's a God of wisdom. And you should seek His wisdom through His Word. And He's a God of glory who deserves our praise. He deserves our appreciation. He deserves every single thing that we have. And we can't do that without surrendering to Him. We can't do that without surrendering our will to His will. See, I think that's where it, that's the problem. We want to be in control. Right? And we need to surrender our will to His will. And some of you today, you need to do that. I don't know where everybody's at in their walk with the Lord, but I'm just going to go out on a limb again. I've been out on a limb a lot today, haven't I? Right? Out on a limb. I had a preacher tell me one time, that's where the fruit is, out on a limb. It's not up close to the tree. You got to get out there to get the fruit. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say there are some of you here today that you need to surrender your will to His. In fact, I'm going to go even farther and say most of us, if not all of us, need to surrender our will to Him. Now there's some of you who've not made a first time decision at all maybe, to confess Jesus as the Christ, to repent of your sins, and to be baptized into Him. We want to give you that chance to do that. We're going to sing a song of decision today, and this will be your opportunity. If you're watching online, you can text the word READY to our church connection number, or if you're here in the, in the uh, worship auditorium here today and you want to text that, text that word READY to our number today. Most of us, probably what we need to do is look at this warning label that Paul's given us and not get too comfortable in our religion. Not take our position with Christ for granted. Instead, we need to commit to daily surrendering our will to His. To take up our cross and follow Him. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray and if you have a need, we encourage you to come.